This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Antoine Ray, and I will be your host today for this Global Ambition episode. My guest today is Teresa Marshall, who is the VP of Globalization at Salesforce. And today, the topic that we'll be discussing is how do you avoid becoming a translation ticketing service and gain a seat at the table instead? Teresa, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is quite exciting. Do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about what you do at the Salesforce so that our listeners understand the context? Sure, sure. So like you said, I'm VP of globalization and localization. That means my teams are responsible for the majority of product localization and all the content that goes with it across tech and product. So across uh, R&D for Salesforce. I don't own marketing is basically what it comes down to. So we mentioned in the in the topic today, it's like, how do you avoid becoming a translation ticketing service? Can you explain what does ticketing service means in this case, in our own understanding? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, it's sort of a, a different way of saying you're the team that gets stuff thrown to them, just sort of over the wall, no context, no influence, no no real say in when and how and where, and you're basically just an internal translation service provider, at which point I think you don't add a lot of value. So rather than being sort of just this pass-through of work to to hopefully a strong partner, but you want to be a, a real partner internally as well, so you can influence what's coming down and how the product is built and designed. I think there was someone called Donato Giuliano from Hotspot the other day that said, how do you become the queen and not Cinderella? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I kind of like that as well there. And so how, what do you need to do to avoid becoming that? Because you have to build that in the first place, somehow that ticketing service to be able to service the various groups. But you don't want to be pinned as just that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to sort of be pushed into a particular corner and then not find a way out of it. I think there's some really sort of easy things you can do that seem sort of just soft skill type stuff. And then there's other things you obviously have to do in the background. So for example, I rarely talk about our translators internally. I always talk about our partners. I rarely talk about translation. We try to talk about localization as a whole, even though everybody understands that a big part of what we do is th that translation, right? So um, I sometimes go in and don't even mention localization until like halfway through the conversation. It's all about market fit and features. And so you, you're moving away from what everybody knows, which is that translation piece, which everybody has sort of this perception of like, yeah, you hand it to a translator, it comes back, it'll, it'll be fine. Right, and you sort of focus about everything around it—the the upstream, the you know business decision, the uh, in terms of what language, what market, where, and how. And when you say you're having those conversations, who are you talking about? There's the big kind of a set of people that you have to have those conversations with. Well, so it started for me really by having those conversations with, with individual product managers or individual engineers. And even in those conversations, I didn't talk about translation because it's one piece of the bigger 
process, right? So we all know it takes much more than one translation of a couple of strings Mm -hmm. to make a product and make it function and look and feel well in for another market. So it really started early on in those conversations with whoever was my counterpart at the time, right? And then you try to, to push it up. You try to push it up. You try to push it to the further up into the process. And the more I had exposure to other functions, the more I tried to sort of expand that as well. And do you try to get an opportunity then beyond doing one-to-ones with those people to present to other, uh, to groups of people to create like, I don't know, some sort of a focus group that will probably educate uh, or evangelize what it is exactly that you guys are doing? Yeah. So nowadays we try to go into, you know, town halls, into all hand calls. We we have early training as part of the onboarding of every new person that starts working in our org. And so we, we try to get as the conversation as far upstream as we can, but we also try to get the work as far upstream as we can. So it's both an operational point of view. We're like, okay, we don't want to wait until everything is done. To be honest, we're never going to, in an agile environment, we're never going to have one localization person in each scrum team, but we need to move that conversation, that touch point further up. And so it's, it's everything from, like I said, from onboarding down to the very sort of nitty gritty conversations on a, on a scrum team level. But yes, we go into town halls, we go try to find a way to highlight what we need, whether it's from our content experience people, from our user experience people, from engineering, from product management. So we try to spread our message there quite broadly. Yeah, that's interesting because we see a lot of younger or newer companies and the localization managers at those, they try to follow that localization maturity model and they come in and they put in place a TMS, they put in place a TM, they put in place some uh, metrics around localization quality and uh, time to market. And boom, they tell you, that's it. We're mature now, we're level four, right? <laughs> what what do you say to people like that then? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I had a conversation just last week about like uh, how do I get exactly that? How do I get away from sort of being uh, on the receiving end? And I was like, the question is never like how much do you put through your TM and what's your leverage. The question is like what is the next market you want to be in and why. So I, I try to think inter- internal and external metrics and, and KPI. What is important for me to know, right? If, of course, it's important for me to know how much leverage we have or how much leverage loss we have if we do something like move from one system to the other. And throughput is exceptionally important if you have internal linguists, which we don't. So we rely on a vendor to do all of that for us. But I don't know that my manager would be interested or really truly have an input in terms of business understanding of that metrics, right? So internally speaking, in particular, if I go up my management chain, it doesn't matter whether we pay 15 cents or 28 cents. That's not what's driving that. So it's much more about, you know, what is the, I don't know, what are the user numbers? What is the financials that come in through that market? And so I think you always have to, and I had to learn this the hard way too, right? So (laughs) you always have to think about it in business terms rather than in translation terms. So, because I I guess you need those metrics, the translation terms metrics, you know, to justify how many people you have in your team and what kind of budget uh, you're going to be having. But if we go into details a little bit, what kind of uh, metrics do you need to report to that sphere of influence or those managers to elevate yourself and gain that seat at the table? 
So I actually don't even mention those metrics because it's to me, they're internal facing, right? External facing is really how much money for the company have you contributed to, which is a really hard, tricky question to answer because that really depends on how your company reports revenue or whatever the report, how much users you have, whether you're consumer facing product or whether you're B2B kind of product, whether you're enterprise versus a startup. So it's, it's really difficult to just say, hey, here's the one metric, but you have to look at what is the market like? And if you're just starting out, you have to see whether you can get numbers about a total addressable market, for example. Let's say you're selling vacuum cleaners. Somebody in your company has to know how many vacuum cleaners you could potentially sell in Germany or in Ireland or in Italy or wherever you are, right? And so you need to get that data and then learn how to use it to your advantage. I don't, out of maybe out of curiosity, a manager above sort of my pay grade, so to say, is interested in how much money we, we use for the actual translation cost. But ultimately, it's about where do we contribute whether that's in terms of revenue or whether that's in terms of case deflection, in terms of support, that's really what they're being held accountable for. And so you, the, the trick is to align yourself with that. So there's no one magic ROI for localization that everybody's looking for. It really depends on every company and, and really the way you're looking at the markets. Well, I think there's a couple of guidelines that people will look at and then they will adjust it to themselves. So if you're a consumer facing product, you need to look at monthly active users and how do you grow that? If you're an enterprise, you're looking at, you know, what share particular markets contribute to your revenue and then you try to grow that. But it's really hard to say, hey, we localized our product in country X and therefore the revenue from that country X is directly related to localization. I'm sure localization played some part in it, but there's all these other contributors like what kind of salespeople do you have? What kind of sales material do you share? What marketing do you do? Do you have direct marketing? Do you have sort of like broad advertising? It's like, it really depends on how that all sort of comes together. You can't just say we're great. We're doing great in uh, Turkey. And that's because we localized everything into Turkey. I mean, it's not that, it would be nice if it was that simple. <laughs> But would you still report yourself some of those numbers that we talked about, the total addressable market, the contribution, the monthly active users, for instance, at the whole ends meeting whenever you have an opportunity? Yeah, because when if you can actually get your hands on that data and sort of slice it and dice it in a way that shows what role localization plays, it's it's definitely important, right? So we do go in and and while we don't say, hey, we pay X cent per word or we process this many words or something like that, we play with it, right? So rather than saying we do, I don't know, whatever, 2,000 words a day, we talk about how many volumes of Harry Potter we translated in a year, because that's what somebody can understand who has no clue about what, you know, how many words are on a regular page, right? So we try to have some sort of dimension just to show the volume that we do, uh, but we don't talk, talk about that in terms of price or money. But we will definitely see how we can use monthly active users and TAM and all these kind of things to our advantage to say, hey, look at it. Here's the company, but here's everything that is non-English speaking. And then it's, it's hard to sort of uh, ignore that because typically the number is, if it's not huge, it's growing and you can use that to your advantage. Yeah. And I, and I think that's quite important that 
listeners understand that you can use those numbers to your advantage. It doesn't mean you're claiming that you're the sole contributor or responsible for those numbers. Exactly, exactly. Okay. I think it's a lot about contribution to the overall goal of the company, right? I think that's one way of, of looking at it. It's like if we are fighting about prioritization of market and budget and languages and stuff like that, it's all about aligning to your overall roadmap and sort of pointing out where you contribute to that. So how long does it take to become Cinderella? Oh, no, sorry, the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> to become the queen. <laughs> oh, if only you had like a, a magic way of seeing that. I think I always joke that localization is definitely a long game, right? And so it really depends on your company too, when and where they hit that magic number where they say, okay, now we really need to focus on our markets outside of the US or outside of the English speaking markets. And so that's really it too. You need to keep an eye on that. And then you become a broken record and that's what it takes. It, it's less about time. It's, le it's more about can you consistently tell your story? And then when the time is right, in particular, if you had this conversation about aligning your roadmap, it'll happen, right? But you know, sometimes it'll happen really quickly because somebody upstairs closed in really quickly or you have a product that is exceptionally uh, successful outside of the US or the English speaking market, right? If it's a small app, there's a very different story than if it's a gigantic yeah. enterprise, right? And so, but I think the trick is to be very consistent in your approach to that, to not cave into, oh, let me just become sort of the internal localization services part. Once you are in sort of this ticketing system, it's, it's hard to change perception again. So you want to build the perception as I'm an integrated part into your development process. I, I play a role in the development cycle and not just afterwards. And that's critical, yeah. And I've seen like uh, a lot of people when they try to uh, build that perception, they start obviously with the ticketing service because that needs to be part of the solution as well. But really it's their communication that to the rest of the organization that's going to make that uh, difference on how they're perceived. Yeah. And I think it's like, even if you have the, the most glorious TMS in place that pulls everything magically from everywhere, that's fantastic, right? That's sort of almost, mm -hmm. here's my wholesale solution and all you have to do is hook into that and, and we'll be fine. And you can sell that without losing track of, of having the vital conversations about what that market should look like, what that feature should look like. That automation is just one way of freeing you up to have the more value-added conversations that you need to have. Teresa, thanks very much again for joining our show. I know we will have uh, plenty of downloads from our listeners for this episode, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.